Good morning and welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike and uh, hope you uh, enjoy our little talk this morning. <clears throat> Last week I had the uh, Wednesday off, actually I took Wednesday off um, and uh, had a great time uh, at the house uh, smoking some pork shoulders and uh, uh, Smoking some bacon with, with uh, my good friends uh, Pat and Joel. Hopefully, I'll have a uh, uh, Pat's been been on here several times, but I'd like to get Joel in here at some point. Um, I know Joel, you listen to the podcast from time to time, uh, so probably if I put <laughs> put your name in the title, maybe you will uh, <laughs> maybe you'll listen to this one, but. Anyway, I appreciate you guys, and uh, it was great fun. Hope you enjoyed the uh, the meet. Um, so, what's going on with me? You ask. Well, it's been a it's been a fun week. I had most of the week off last week from work. Uh, spent some time, like I said, on Wednesday with uh, friends, uh, smoking some meat at the house, and uh, what did I do Thursday? Thursday, I think, was a big prep day for me for the weekend camping trip that happened on Saturday and Sunday. And then on Friday, uh, I uh, was at my uh, daughter's uh, yearly culture festival at her school most of the day. And then, of course, a lot more prep, getting ready for uh, the camping trip. So the camping trip uh, was a kind of a last-minute thrown-together thing because... uh, our initial plan had fallen through, uh, which was uh, to go camping one night and then to volunteer as a race staff for a trail run, a local trail run around here, which we did last year. Um, and uh, yeah, so that plan fell through. They didn't need as much staff as they thought they might. And so uh, we... Uh, Decided to run off to the neighboring prefecture to some highland area, uh, to a highland area where uh, they've got some, I don't know, six or seven thousand uh, foot peaks. And I'd been there once 15 years ago. Uh, a student and her husband had taken me there. And they were, <clears throat> I don't know, they, I think they were in their 60s probably. Late 50s or early 60s. I think they're retired, so it must have been they, were, they must have been in their 60s. Well, that was about 15 years ago, and I was in much better shape. But anyway, we uh, took four uh, college students, Pat and I did, and uh, went. First, we camped at a at a at a uh, just a local campground in the valley, and we had to set up in the rain. We weren't really expecting the rain, but but most of us had rain gear, I guess. Five out of six of us had rain gear, and the other one bought some rain gear just in case she needed it for the next day. Um, but we set up camp and set up two tents, one for the boys, one for the girls, and then Pat and I each had our hammock tents. We stayed in there, and actually, uh, for as cold as it got, which was down to three degrees Celsius, which is somewhere in the 40s, I'd say, uh, we were pretty toasty. I was I was as toasty as I've ever been in a hammock in cold weather. Uh, now, to, to hardcore hammockers, that's not really that cold. I know a lot of people talk about getting down in the minus 
uh, of even Fahrenheit. It's just crazy. Anyway, yeah, we uh, slept in the hammocks, got up the next morning, and uh, packed up to camp. Got off a little later than we wanted to and head up, headed up the mountain. But as we're heading up the mountain and looking at these peaks, we're seeing that they've got snow on them, which we didn't expect at all. So apparently the day before, while we were setting up camp, uh, what was rain where we were down in the valley up on the peaks was snow. And I think we even mentioned that that might be the case, but we didn't worry about it, but our... Our uh, fears uh, became evident as we uh, started driving up toward the uh, toward the uh, parking area where we uh, hit the trailhead. So anyway, we decided to go forward. Anyway, we got up there, and as we're going up, people are coming down saying, "Wow, you got to be careful! Uh, it's super windy up there, and uh, you know it's very slick. There's ice." And out of the six of us, three of us have. Uh, decent gear, um, including, you know, good hiking boots, good quality hiking boots, but three of the kids were in tennis shoes <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, like running shoes. So we, uh, we went on anyway, but as we started talking to people, they're like, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to make the peak today. It's just too cold and too windy. So we decided to at least get to the, uh, what they call, uh, this little, um, hiker's hut, I guess, which is between the two peaks. We had, uh, we had originally hoped to get both peaks as we got up kind of later than we wanted to and got ready later than we wanted to. We decided, well, we'll probably just hit one peak, uh, but we were unable to hit either one. So, uh, what we had hoped would have been a, uh, let's see, two, four, six, eight probably like an eight kilometer hike or more, eight or nine kilometer hike, turned it in, turned into a four kilometer hike. But despite that, uh, we all had a, a really good time and, and we were just freezing cold. It was, it was probably, I don't know, minus three or four, maybe even minus 10 with the wind factor. The fact that we were hiking and hiking uphill, we, we were able to stay decently warm. Uh, my fingers started getting a little bit numb as we were coming down. Uh, the wind was really tearing into me, and I hadn't felt numb, numbness like that in my fingers in a long time. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that that was our weekend. So we went up and came down, and I think we were down probably by, I don't know, even noon-ish, maybe 12.30. Came down, and then uh, we didn't get a chance to eat our lunches that we were thinking to eat on the on the on the peak, um, but instead we came back down and and uh, ate uh, down in the valley a little bit. And, but it was a really good time. It was a good bonding time, and and all of the kids, instead of being terrified and just shocked at at how uh, dangerous or bad everything was, they were all pumped about next year and wanting to to conquer this hill. And, and I'm excited about that. I one of the reasons we, uh, Pat and I started this club was because we, you know, we, we've been seeing a trend in young people, uh, where they have this phobia of anything outdoors, any, anywhere from a phobia of the sun, a phobia of insects, a phobia of the cold, uh, and, uh, for Pat and I who really enjoy the outdoors, we, we just don't see it as a helpful trend 
uh, with young people. And I don't know if it's the same in the States like it is here in Japan. There's a real phobia uh, of outdoors in the sun, protecting kids from getting sunburned, for example, or, you know, any scrape or bruise. Or um, I know that with businesses, a lot of that probably has to do with... Um, uh, you know, insurance and, and, and claims against, uh, you know, schools and whatnot. And I, I kind of get that litigation in the States is out of control. Here it's not as bad, but I, I think the, uh, the fear of litigation here is, is still sometimes, um, uh, what would you say, prohibitive, uh, to kids getting a good dose of outdoor stuff. But then the other, the other side of that is technology, right? It's not just fear. Of the outdoors, it's the technology that keeps us indoors. Uh, you know, our, our the games that the kids play and the uh, the smartphones and the computers and and all of that uh, tends to work better uh, close to a, an electrical outlet and uh, out of the sun. You know, the the brightness of the sun kind of makes it difficult sometimes <laughs> to see screens, even though. Uh, you know, in, in some sense, I think uh, the uh, Pokemon Go game, in the States you probably call it po- Pokemon Go, um, I think that was a step in the right direction. If we're going to have technology, let's make it where you kind of have to use it outside, and, and I hope I hope people will continue to explore that, uh, because I think as, as people will, will go outside and explore the outdoors for the first time, they'll see that it's just this amazingly beautiful uh, yet wild um, place um, and I, I think uh, you know how whatever gateway we can use to get people out uh, outside outdoors I think is a good thing uh, it's not ideal to use uh, technology to get people outside uh, but in lieu of that what are we going to do you know we have to have a better plan than that if we're going to reject that idea. So, anyway, so what Pat and I do, we created this uh, club called Cross Active. And originally it was a, it was a club uh, with the idea of uh, um, getting Christians to be more active in uh, community leisure activities. Uh, and many of them are. So, you know, the... Anything like that that happens in Japan, so you have a community soc- uh, uh, softball team or soccer or you know whatever sport, uh, whether it's golf or whatever, that happens on usually Sundays because Sunday is generally the only day that many men have off. And so that's the day that men uh, spend time with their family. That's the only day many men get to spend time with their family. Uh, and families get to spend time with their father or husband. But now the church has come in, and the church uh, has said, "Well, Sunday belongs to God." So, yeah, six days, six days of the week belong to your employer, but you have to give Sunday to God if you want to be a believer. And so, we're telling fathers and families that, uh, "Yeah, sorry, yeah, you guys can spend time together, but you need to do it in the church." Uh, and then you add on, you need to, you know, do that listening to a lecture. Uh, and, uh, you know, having choir practice and then in, in attending meetings and the women need to cook, uh, you know, on that day and, and you need to go to Sunday school and, and you need to give money, uh, and, and you need to do that every week. 
uh, to please God. Uh, but what I was seeing is that there were Christians in the traditional congregation I used to attend. There were Christians who would still attend some of these things. They would they would skip church, but there was always this guilt involved. Oh, you know, uh, can somebody cover for me? I'm sorry, but I'm expected to be at this or that, and I know I shouldn't do it, but, you know, and there, there was always this guilt attached to it, which I, you know, at first, I totally was, because of, because of the way I was brought up, I assumed that's how it had to be. Like, well, yeah, you shouldn't be missing church, you, you jerk. Uh, get your priorities straight, you know, put God first. Uh, and, uh, but as I, as I started to, to live here, you know, uh, longer and, and observe things, and, and as, as I, uh, started to change my ecclesiology or the way that I viewed or defined, uh, what church is, or what it means to assemble as a body of Christ, I tended, I started looking at this more closely uh, and realized that, you know, Japanese people are, are out enjoying nature and enjoying each other uh, on Sundays, and they don't have any, any believers with them generally. And if they do, these believers are guilt-ridden for not being in, in church and that just doesn't seem like a, a very uh, healthy way to go. It seems it seems kind of crazy, you know. And so I was thinking, well, why don't we look at this the other the other way? Let's let's say, well, Christians are going to miss church sometimes, you know, and they're gonna they're gonna participate in these activities, you know, whether it's the uh, golf um, or the uh, crafts, you know, or, or whatever the case may be, why don't we find a way to send these people out to be salt and light in those groups, to enjoy nature themselves while serving the people in their group, and instead of making them feel guilty about that, why don't we use that as a mission? You know, your mission is to introduce Jesus to these people by serving them and loving them. And how would, you know, what would that look like? And so this cross-active idea came, uh, you know, came about. So originally it was going to be a arts and sports and arts uh, community that instead of shaming people for missing uh, worship, uh, we do the, just the opposite. We say, yes, go do those things with, with our blessing. Uh, and can I join you in doing that? Can we, can we be sent out? Can we be the sent out people again in Japan? And instead of pulling fathers uh, away from their families on those days, let's say, no, you know what? I'm going to be with my family too. And I'm going to accommodate culture in this way and at the same time loosen the reins on my my legalistic ideas of what Sunday has to be 
and so we th- th- that was the initial concept and and I'm sad to say that that has not come to fruition that we haven't pursued that aspect of it because we've uh, more or less stepped outside of institutional uh, religion and that's no longer a factor for us um, but I still see that the the idea in my mind it is valid now <clears throat> traditionally churches meet on Sunday morning noted got it but that hasn't always been the case in fact Acts tells us that they met pretty much every time they could they were constantly meeting they were in, in each other's home and they were constantly taking uh, depending on how you translate it, the Lord's Supper right they were they were constantly together. Uh, and I don't see that the case today with most believers. You might be together uh, at the most in three settings a week. And when I say settings, I mean an hour, three hours a week, basically, uh, you know, give or take. But even if you double that to six, six is only the quarter, only a quarter of one day. That that doesn't look like always together to me, uh, by any stretch, by any stretch, by any stretch of the imagination. So we've already fallen short of the example of the early church and the apostles. Fall, we've fallen far short. But what we do instead is we dedicate one day, and we force everybody just to stick to it. You know, come hell or high water. Pardon the uh, French. Uh, and and in doing so, uh, we have somehow, we feel like we've covered our bases. Now, I don't want to say, I don't want to go the other direction and go, you know, legalistic on, well, you have to meet every day. I don't want to, I don't want to do that either. You know, that's, that's an example we have. But the question remains, and the question in Japan is a, is a, is an, is an old one. Why aren't we doing a better job of, of introducing Jesus to the Japanese people? And what can we do that will make a better difference? And, and what I saw was, let's join the Japanese people as they're celebrating life and nature, and that's happening on Sundays. <laughs> Maybe, maybe you know, if you are married to the idea that Sunday has to be the day, uh, and I know that there are some that are, are completely sure of that, adjust. Do it on Sunday night. You know, have your main meeting on Sunday night. Uh, what we've done is moved our meetings to the evenings of during the week. We've got one on Monday. We've got one on Friday. We used to have one on Wednesday, but we move that from Wednesday to Friday. So, uh, you know, adjust, make make uh, make room to, you know, to 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 enjoy life with the Japanese people, and that happens a lot on Sundays, you know. So that that was the that was the. Uh, 
premise behind CrossActive. Uh, but what it's turned out to be instead is a group on, on the college campus here. It's a, it's a club where we do outdoors activities um, with the group and we try to get closer to, to some of the students. And it's not a huge club. We've, we've had some big events, but uh, this one was quite small. Uh, just four kids were involved. Uh, but the idea of Cross Active is that we want to be enjoying God's creation with the young people while building relationships with them. And, and if you've ever done anything um, strenuous in nature, whether it's a, a marathon run or, or a hike or, or mountain climbing or rock climbing or whatever, anything you do like that, creates a bond that is not easily broken. For example, us being on that mountain and fighting the elements and the wind and the cold and the ice and the rocks uh, and the altitude, that's a bond that exists now. We, 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 have, we have struggled and conquered together. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's the similar bond that the soldier sees. Soldiers experience that in battle when they fight alongside um, their fellow soldiers, they, they form a brotherhood, and they, they call it this. And uh, in fact, I've been, I've been uh, put down because I, I'm not a soldier, and I don't understand the bond uh, that a brother has uh, with his fellow soldier, that a soldier has with his fellow soldier. And I don't deny that. I, I haven't been a soldier. I haven't killed next to anybody else or seen people get killed. Um, but I do, I do readily admit that that experience uh, will bind people together in ways uh, that last. Uh, and and that's, that's how I see um, what happened when the uh, tsunami and earthquake, uh, the earthquake and tsunami came to Japan in 2011, when we had the, the big one where, you know, we lost uh, almost 20,000 lives. Uh, and many of us who, ex who experienced it uh, and worked as volunteers in uh, trying to bring some uh, relief to people, we, we were in a battle together. We, uh, we fought alongside each other was a different kind of battle, but, but we bonded very, very tightly nonetheless. And it's a bond that is not easily broken. So by doing these kinds of things and having these kinds of experiences with people, uh, I guess you could call it overcoming, right? By overcoming together, uh, we bond more tightly together. Uh, some people have it, say, you know, call it having a common enemy. Um, in this case, the enemy is the elements. In a sense, it's 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 an enemy, uh, but it is definitely antagonistic weather, and uh, uh, you know, altitude, and terrain um, can be antagonistic, and and your own body, uh, you know, depending on what kind of condition you're in. Uh, creates an antagonism that as you overcome it and you endure through it, uh, you become stronger with those 
who endured with you. And and I think that's the I think that's the the beauty of of cross active, uh, the the club, uh, and the idea. Um, and as I sit here and talk about, it, I didn't know that's what I was going to talk about today. But as I talk about it, I'm kind of excited uh, to to renew uh, efforts um, to uh, to continue with this idea. I think it's a I think it's a good thing. I think it's a uh, a valid way to grow in relationship with people. Hmm. Yeah. I uh yeah, I'm definitely gonna uh gonna continue with that and maybe do some research in the way that um adversity Binds people together. <laughs> we know it happens. You know, we we saw it in, in uh, September 11th, 2001. We saw it on March 11th, 2011. Uh, we see people who were not close come close and stay close. Uh, that's been the case with me and my good friend Jonathan Wilson, who. Uh, is a church planter and pastor, uh, but also a uh, relief uh, relief organization leader. He's the founder of, of Crash Japan, which was a uh, the main evangelical uh, relief wing, uh, at least that was based in Japan. That uh, really came together and and. Um, uh, well, it, it existed before, much before Jonathan had created it and, and had been doing some um, background work and preparation for a, a big event like this. But that's when it really cut its teeth was on that disaster. And since then, it's it's uh, done a lot uh, in the last six plus years. Um, and there's another organization that he's put together called... Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Jonathan, if you listen to this, please forgive me. Uh, 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 it's, it's with children. It's um, Operation Safe. Yeah, OS, Operation Safe, sorry. Uh, which is a, a relief organization for children who have experienced trauma. Uh, and it's uh, uh, what we call emotional care for children uh, who have been in traumatic situations, whether it's um, uh, war. Uh, natural calamities. Uh, I guess I suppose it could be just poverty. Uh, but he he has uh, done this in, in several languages all around the world. Uh, most recently, it's it's uh, in the Philippines, in a big way in Mindanao, war war uh, war torn Mindanao, uh, southern large southern island of the Philippines. He's, uh, He's uh, served thousands of kids there and uh, trying to give them hope uh, through the message of, of Jesus. And, uh, and he and I, we, I, I knew of him before this happened, but you know that uh, seeing the way he worked through that and being a part of his organization uh, really brought us closer together. And I'm thankful for his uh, 
friendship today. Great guy. Um, yeah, uh, you know, adversity is a thing. It, it's just, it just exists. And I think we come up with ways humans are, are, are uncannily, uh, intuitive in that way to come up with ways to create kind of false diversity, false adversity to, to bond with each other. And that's what marathons are, right? Uh, that's what mountain climbing is. That's what hiking is. When there aren't, when there isn't any adversity, we still see the, um, the value in it. And so we create extreme sports and through, through, um, enduring, uh, various, um, trials and obstacles, uh, it's, it's a way that we bond together. And I, and I don't wonder if maybe that's, what sports are really all about. You know, at first I, I thought maybe sports were something we did with with male aggression when war was not an option, you know, during times of peace. And I think that still may be true, but is there is it possible that men who had experienced war and experienced the brotherhood that was produced by war, uh, if that if they saw the value in that and they created sports as a way to uh, to continue that. Maybe maybe the brotherhood that we experience in adversity is the place where sports are born. In fact maybe that's the maybe that's the very reason for male aggression uh, in the first place. You know, of course there you know aggressive males are the you know, known as protectors, and that's what happens in war. But I wonder if the this this other reason might also be a valid uh, a valid um, area to study. You know, to see if you know this this brotherhood that exists through people who have endured through through hardship might be you know might that be. Um, the reason that keeps us competing in sports, you know, competitiveness. I know sometimes it's selfishness. You know, we want to be the best, so we push ourselves to be the fastest or the strongest or the most skilled, uh, even the smartest. Uh, but what about this idea of the bonds that are created through enduring hardship? You know, this makes me want to get back together with this group that we just hiked and have a, have a, uh, you know, just a, a dinner together or whatever and, and talk about our experience, uh, talk about what we can do differently, talk about, you know, what, what else we want to do, you know, what else can we do to, um, to further this experience uh, and to grow closer to each other because human relationship is really, you know, that that's what this life is about. That's what makes this life worth living. You know, we, when we say I, we live for each other or, we, or I will die for somebody, we say those things because 
relationship is that important to us? Now, some of us may try to deny it, and at some point we may become devoid of most relationships or good relationships with people. That happens. Uh, and, and I think a lot of times suicide comes out of that. Oh, that's good coffee. Um, you know, but the reason the reasons we do so much of what we do, whether it's a, a father working hard at his job or, or a mother uh, doing the same, working hard at a job, or, or the father or the mother taking care of the kids and 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 you know providing for their education and, and you know cooking good food and, and teaching them about life and. You know, all of this happens because relationships are important. Relationships are very important. Um, it's why we do most of what we do, right? That's 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 what humans are all about. Um, that's why we we live in communities. Um, we live in apartment buildings, oftentimes. It's why we don't, why each person doesn't live alone, and why people who do live alone at some point find it um, untenable. Untenable, that's not the right word. Uh, they find it, um, well, just undesirable. Now, there may be some people that for a time find it desirable, but I think any human over time who lives alone and keeps to themselves, over time, I think you will find them in quite a dark place uh, that they need to have at least one or two relationships, good relationships, even even with a very shy person. They still need a few relationships for them to make life worth living. Um, and, you know, that's where the, the cross of Jesus comes in. The cross that, that we talk about in Cross Active. You know, that, that cross is is what makes relationships and great relationships between people a thing. It, it, it makes it a thing. It makes them exist. That cross is what makes, fixes our relationship with God again. Now, from his standpoint, I don't think there's ever been a problem, but from our, from our perspective, uh, the cross lets us realize that, that not only is God not angry with us, but he's willing to die for us, for us to see who he truly is, for us to get a glimpse of his true character. His true character is what is exhibited on that cross. And that's what he's trying to get, a, get <laughs> pardon the pun, across to us, is that he loves us. And there's nothing that can come in the way of that love. That he will not allow anything to get in the way of that love. That he loves us completely. Uh, and, and I think when, when we see that, uh, that's when we realize that, wow, all of the relationship problems have come from our skewed perspective of who the divine is. And Jesus came, Jesus came to fix that, to say, hey, it's okay 
I know you guys have a lot of guilt and shame, but but just realize that it doesn't have to be that I I don't I don't count your sins against you. I know what you've been through. I know what you go through. I know how hard it is to live in the world that you live in. I get it. And I'm just going to I'm just going to forgive that all at once. Wow. I mean the power that happens there. And what that does is not only does it teach us that that God's relationship with us from his perspective is a-okay, it also gives us an awesome example of how we need to forgive other people and how that creates relationship. And as we do that, whether it's, you know, as a family or, or in the office or at school with your friends, no matter what group that's in, as we, as, as we spread that forgiveness out to others and say, hey, no matter what's happened, uh, I love you, and and from my standpoint, my relationship with you is good, and I'm not going to count anything against you. I'm just going to let it all go. As we do that, relationships everywhere become fixed, and and Jesus's cross transforms us and transforms our relationships. So that cross makes it possible for relationships between people to be great to be to be perfect to be healthy um and wow what a what a blessing that is um well i've reached my destination and i'm gonna have to sign off and i'm kind of sad about that because man i think i have a lot more to say on the subject uh but let's just leave it there and uh Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for that today. Love you guys, and uh, have a good day. Bye-bye.